Well, this morning, we're going to be back in our uh, new-ish new uh, series called uh, I Doubt It. And this is a series that uh, we're really just kind of working through some tough questions and some, I think, legitimate doubts that many of us uh, wrestle with. Now, just a quick reminder, if this happens to be your, your first Sunday, uh, the last week of this series is going to be on uh, Sunday, uh, June 9th. And so what we're going to do on June 9th is we're actually going to have a kind of a discussion panel right up here on the stage, and we're going to be answering some of your hard questions. There are only so many questions we can get to in a series, and so we want to give you the opportunity to give us some, maybe some doubts, some questions, and I would just say, uh, don't be ashamed. We all have questions. Uh, we all have doubts, and that's okay. And so uh, my encouragement to you would be to submit those doubts or questions to us via email, it's info at nlcca.org. That email address should be for, on the screens for you. Uh, the other option is you could just write your question or your doubt on a Connect card. Fold it in half. There are two wooden boxes as you exit. You can drop those in. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to take maybe, I don't know, three to five of the top questions that we collect, especially if there's several. So we kind of see some, we identify some themes that are just kind of quest, broad questions that our church body has. Uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to try to tackle those on stage on June 9th. So please, we've already received some. You got some doubts. You got some questions. Welcome to the club. Uh, shoot them to us, and uh, that'll give us a little bit of time to, to work on those questions before uh, we tackle them together on June 9th. Now, our question today is, is a big one. I think it's a, a huge one in our culture today, probably one that you've struggled with. Maybe you're still struggling with it, whether you're here as a, as a Christian or a skeptic, whatever it is. And here's the question. Is Jesus really the only way? Is he really the only way? And another question that flows from that question is, isn't it intolerant to make that claim? I mean, it can almost feel a little intolerant just saying that out loud. Isn't it, isn't it more loving to just say there are many ways to God, that every religion, every worldview is equally valid. Now that sounds really nice. That sounds really appealing on the surface. It's definitely the angle that our, our current culture is kind of pushing us toward. But the question is, is that true? Is it true? Now let me, let me just start, let me kind of set the table of our, of our time together this morning and start by simply saying, that just because you don't like something or just because I don't like something doesn't mean it's not true, all right? You, you, guys, you guys tracking with that, okay? So um, let, me, let me try to illustrate. I'm, for the last two months, I've been on this like um, torturous keto nu nutrition deal, all right? And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've, you've done it too. But basically, I, I, I've cut out all sugars and all uh, simple carbs, for, which for a guy that has a love affair with pizza and pasta and breads and cakes has been really awful. Um, but, but in another way, it's, it's been really good because I'm probably in the best shape I've been in in probably five or six years. So my routine every morning is, is I wake up, I go and I start brewing my coffee, so the most important thing in the morning, right? And then I go into my bathroom and I pull out my little scale, all right? And so I, I step on my scale and I look down and I, and I see what it says. And some days, I, I really like what the scale says. And then other days, usually after I've had a, like a cheat meal, like I've eaten pizza with my kids or something, I don't like what the scale says. But get, guess what? E even on days when I don't like what the scale says, it's still true. 
It's still true. Truth is predicated on facts, not feelings. And so when the scale hurts my feelings, I need to adjust my feelings to the reality of what it's telling me I weigh that day. I don't need to find a different scale. Okay? So just because you don't like something, just because I don't like something, doesn't mean it's not true. So here's, here's a very simple definition of what truth is. Truth is what's real. Okay? That's very simple. Truth, regardless of our feelings, truth is what is actually real. So, is the claim that Jesus is the only way to God, whether we like it or not, is that truth claim actually true? That's what we're going to try to answer together this morning. Now, this is an especially tough question if you, like me, have traveled uh, extensively all around the world. I've spent almost a decade of my life living in three other countries outside of the uh, United States, and I have met literally thousands and thousands of people from different cultures and different faiths, and I'm just here to tell you, many of them are moral people, many of them are kind people, many of them are people whom I love deeply, many of them are my friends to this day, And you mean to tell me that all of these people are not going to go to heaven just because they have not given their life to Jesus? Doesn't that seem unfair to you? And plus, aren't like aren't like um, the the religious religions that are kind of more exclusive? Aren't they all toxic? I mean, don't 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 exclusive religions lead to just all sorts of atrocities like? terrorism and wars. My hope this morning is to show you why the gospel of Jesus is different. So so here's here's kind of the big idea of the the whole message. I'm going to give it to you on on the front end for you note takers. Uh, Those of you who really love Jesus, go ahead and write this down. It's going to be on the screens for you. Authentic faith in Jesus is the most loving compassionate, honest, and inclusive worldview the world has ever known. Let me repeat that for you again. Authentic faith in Jesus is the most loving, compassionate, honest, and inclusive worldview the world has ever known. And we're going to unpack that statement for the next uh, 30 minutes or so. So, why have Christians historically believed this controversial idea that Jesus is the only way to God. Let's start with the teachings of Jesus himself. So we're gonna go to John's Gospel, chapter 14. This is Jesus' teaching here, and these words will be on the screen, straight from the the, the mouth of Jesus himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now catch the second part. No one comes to the Father except through me. So why do Christians teach that Jesus is the only way? Jesus said he was the only way. This is not an arrogance thing. This is not a we think we're better, we think we're superior than anyone else thing. We just believe that when a guy shows up and he claims to be God, 
And he lives a perfect and sinless life and performs miracles like nobody before him or after him. And then he predicts his own death and resurrection. And then he pulls it off. We believe that guy gets to make the rules, not us. We, we get to follow what he says, right? This is not arrogance. Jesus himself made the claim. Now, I believe that Jesus was telling the truth when he made this claim. And I believe it was the most loving and compassionate thing Jesus ever taught. And we'll unpack that as we go. So, why does this, that statement generate so much controversy in our culture? And why does that statement even bother some of us as followers of Jesus if we're being really transparent and honest this morning? I want to start with two myths in our culture about religion. And you're, you, you will be very familiar with both of them. You've heard both of them a trillion times. So here's myth number one. Myth number one says, all religions are basically the same. All religions are basically the same. Now, this myth essentially says, if you take every religion out there and you strip down all the bells and whistles and all the outer stuff of each religion, if you just boil it down to its core, to its essence, every religion essentially says the same thing. So this idea says all religions are basically just different pathways up the same mountain to God. So it doesn't really matter which religion you follow as long as you are sincere in your beliefs. You've heard that too, right? As long as you're sincere in what you believe, then it's all going to be good in the end. Now that sounds really nice, doesn't it? But is it true? Is it true? Some religions sacrifice animals. Are you cool with that? Historically, some religions have even burned their babies alive as a sacrifice to their God. You can read about it, Old Testament, Ammonites, the God of Moloch. You cool with that? Is that an equal valid religion to you? Some religions suppress women's rights. I'm talking entire countries where women are not even allowed to vote or drive a car. You, you good with that? None of us actually believes the statement that all religions are equally valid or they're basically the same. We say stuff like that to avoid conflict, but it doesn't make it true. Now, to be sure, some religions agree on some things. For instance, Christianity, Islam, uh, Judaism are all monotheistic religions. In other words, we don't believe that there's a hundred gods or a thousand gods or even five gods. We all believe that there's one God, but there are some major differences, irreconcilable differences. Amen. See, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he draws an undeniable line in the sand, and we have to deal with that claim. Someone put it uh, this way. They said, this is kind of the difference between other religions and the teachings of Jesus. Other religious leaders say, Follow me, and I'll show you how to find truth. And by the way, that's pretty much what every religion in the world teaches, right? Every religious leader, whoever it is, right? Muhammad, Gandhi, whatever. Follow me. I will show you the way to God. I will show you the way to truth. But Jesus says, I am truth. Other religious leaders say, follow me, and I'll show you the way to become enlightened. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I will show you the door to God. Jesus says, I am that door. 
And then he invites everybody to come and follow him. Jesus is making a very exclusive claim. Now, the New Testament compares the relationship between Jesus and his people, his followers, the, the church, to a marriage relationship. So it's this idea of friendship. It's this idea of closeness. It's this idea of doing life together. Now, for those of you who are are married or think about marriage or whatever, you probably can relate to what I'm about to say. But just imagine, many of you know my lovely wife, Cheryl. Just imagine that I came to my lovely wife, Cheryl, one day, and I said to her, baby, I love you so much. I just want to share you with everybody. And I want you to share me with everybody. I just want us to have an open relationship. And you can do your thing, and I can do my thing. It'll be great. In other words, I want an inclusive relationship where everybody's invited in instead of an exclusive marriage. Now, do you think that Cheryl would perceive my desire for an inclusive relationship as more or less loving than an exclusive marriage? Less. You got, it's not a trick question. Less. In fact, I would say you guys would be looking for a new pastor because she would murder me. You would find me in a shallow grave up on the Blue Ridge Parkway somewhere. Listen, clearly the more loving option is an exclusive relationship. Exclusivity is not hateful. Oftentimes, it's the most loving option on the table. Now then consider this. All major religions, every single religion out there is based on people doing something to get to God, right? So you gotta pray this many times a day, you gotta, you gotta take uh, these many sacraments, you gotta go on this holy pilgrimage, you gotta stop eating these foods, man, the list just goes on and on. You could put it this way, and this will be on the screens for you. Religion, all religion, is humanity's attempt to reach God. You guys get that? All religion is our attempt, our human attempt to get to God. Christianity, on the other hand, is God's attempt to reach humanity. Do you see the difference? Jesus taught the opposite of what every single religion teaches. That's one reason he was such a revolutionary. Jesus taught that we cannot do anything to get to God. So Jesus is just like, y'all stop. Stop trying to be religious enough. Stop trying to be moral enough. Stop trying to be good enough to get to God or earn his love. I have already done it all for you. I've lived the perfect life on your behalf that you could never live. I paid the price for your sins and I am offering you a new life. So believe and follow me. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in a letter that he wrote to a church in a town called Colossae. This will be on the screens for you. This is what Paul says. And he's writing to uh, followers of Jesus here. He says, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. In other words, we didn't do anything to earn it. We couldn't get to him. So Jesus did it on our behalf. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. And that's what our sin does to us. It places us in debt to a holy God, which stood against us and condemned us He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. See, other religions are spelled do. Christianity is spelled done. 
Now, one of the things I love, uh, I heard this story not long ago. The, one of the presidents of a missions organization called the IMB, that's the uh, missions organi- organization that Cheryl and I worked for in Asia uh, years ago. He once told this story, and I, get, I suppose he was on a, on a mission trip or something, and he was in a, a Muslim country, and, and he was sitting down having coffee with this Muslim man, and they were just talking about their faiths, the differences in their faith and their understanding of who God was. And, and so the guy looks at this, this missionary guy, this Christian guy, and he says, look, I get what you're saying, and he kind of used the mountain illustration with him. He said, I, I see that you following Jesus, is that's your pathway up the mountain to God. And that's great for you, it's great for you. But for me, my pathway up the mountain to God is it's the five pillars of Islam. That, that's how I'm gonna get to God. And, but eventually, we're both gonna arrive in the same place. And David looked at him, this, this missionary, and said, look, I, I believe, I gotta tell you, I, I believe that neither one of us, no matter how hard we try, are gonna get up that mountain. That neither, neither one of us is, is good enough, neither one of us is religious enough because look, God sees our hearts. But here's, here's what Jesus teaches. Je- Jesus teaches that when we had no way to get up the mountain to God, God came off the mountain looking for us. He came off the mountain to rescue us. And he shared the gospel with this man that there's a God in heaven that loves him so much that he sent Jesus to rescue him. And this Muslim man, their tears begin to flow down his cheeks as he began to consider the claim that there is a God that is that good and there is a God that loves him that much. Listen, friends, the claims of Jesus are revolutionary and they are radically different from every religion and worldview. You cannot lump what he taught with other religions. They are vastly, distinctly different. And to me, it makes absolute sense that God would provide a pathway for us to get to him, and he has, and he has. All religions are not just different pathways to God. Jesus took that option off the table. It does matter which path you follow. Listen to me, you are staking your life on this. Either Jesus was who he claimed to be or he was the most evil man to ever walk the face of this planet because he has deceived billions of people. But Jesus is not one way to God. He is either the way or he is a fraud. But it matters which path you follow, friend. And so myth number one, that all religions are basically the same is demonstrably false. It is a logical impossibility. The law of non-contradiction says that two truths, two simultaneous truths, can't both be true at the same time. It just can't be. So either he was who he claimed to be or he was a lunatic, but there's nothing in between. If you have a Bible, go ahead and head for the uh, book of Acts. That's where we're gonna be the rest of our time. Go to Acts chapter 17. In this chapter, the apostle Paul, is he's traveling from city to city, and uh, he's preaching about this resurrected guy named Jesus. He's planting all these churches for all these brand new believers. And then one day he comes to this city called uh, Athens. And he walks into Athens. And as he walks in, there are just tons, hundreds, maybe thousands of idols to different gods all over the city. See, Athens was a lot like our culture is today. It was very pluralistic. It was very sort of, hey, 
your truth is good for you. Your truth is truth for you, and my truth is good for me. It's very much like that. And Paul sees that in all these idols and all these people worshiping different gods, and his heart is absolutely wrecked for these people who are living in spiritual darkness. So he starts to tell them this great news about Jesus. And so there's like this buzz going on, and people are like, who is this guy, and who is this God guy, this resurrection stuff? What is he talking about? So Paul gets invited to the Areopagus, which was a big deal in Athens, right? It's like this huge open-air stadium thing where lots of people would come and thought leaders would gather to discuss important ideas. And so they're like, hey, this, this Paul guy's pretty smart. We don't know what the heck he's talking about. Let's invite him in and let, let's let him uh, explain to us what his belief system is, all right? So he goes into the Areopagus. All these pagan people never even heard the name of Jesus. And he lays out one of the most brilliant sermons ever preached. And I just, let's just read that together. So Acts 17, beginning in verse 22. This is what Apostle Paul says. He says, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So there's all these idols. They all have like the name of the God underneath. But then there's this one random idol that says to the unknown God. And so Paul says, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And now Paul is gonna start to quote from their pagan philosophers and poets, which is amazing to me. But verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring or the creation of God. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he's appointed. And all of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now get this, he finishes his sermon with the gospel, with Jesus. He doesn't start there, he actually finishes there, which is fascinating to me. But something else Paul does is he absolutely shatters this whole pluralistic worldview that all religions are just equally different pathways to God. He, got, he goes, look, you guys are clearly very religious. You're very religious. You guys are, are clearly very spiritual. You guys are really smart guys. So he, he starts off by complimenting them, which by the way, I think is a good lesson for us as we engage our culture. And then he goes, listen, I, as I was walking through your beautiful city, I noticed an idol. But this, this one idol said underneath it, it was for an unknown God. And see, these people in Athens, they were so paranoid. Now, this is kind of funny. They were so paranoid that they, they actually missed a God that they made an idol to the unknown God just in case. <laughs> so, like, so like just in case a God shows up one day and he's angry and he's like, where's my idol? 
They could go, right here, Big Daddy. This, one, this one's for you. We, we've been waiting on you all these years. We're so happy that you're here. Don't kill us. So they were just paranoid that they were going to miss a God. So they just created idols to said to an unknown God. And Paul, being the brilliant guy he is, he goes, look, look, I know that God. That unknown God, I know him personally. Let me tell you about the unknown God, right? And he uses their poets, he uses their pagan philosophers as a bridge to the gospel of Jesus. Paul is brilliant. And by the way, I think he gives us the blueprint for engaging our pluralistic culture in America in 2019. Now let me just talk to the the believers, the Christians in the room uh, this morning. There, There is nothing that is more of a turnoff to our world than an arrogant and angry religious person. Nothing. So believer, if you love Jesus, let me just encourage you, don't be a Pharisee. Don't be a Pharisee. Be be like Jesus. Be like the Apostle Paul here in Acts 17. Now, Now notice what Paul is doing here. He compliments them. He uses their worldview, and then the third thing he does is he preaches the gospel of Jesus unapologetically. Like he doesn't shy away from the claims that Jesus made about himself. He goes, guys, look, you're, you're so smart, and you guys are awesome and creative and all these awesome things, but listen, I'm, just, I'm here to tell you that the real God is bigger and better than you could ever imagine He is the creator of the heavens and the earth and he loves you so much that he came into this busted up world and he lived a perfect life for you. And he died a brutal death to pay for your sins. And the proof of all this, listen to this guys, listen. The proof of all this is that he rose from the dead. I know that's hard to believe, but we saw him. We saw him with our own eyes and we talked to him and he taught us for over a month. I'm telling you, you came back from the dead. We we saw it with our own eyes. And listen guys, he's coming back one day. He's coming back one day and he's promised to to judge every man and every woman who has ever lived. And Paul goes, look, you guys, you guys have lived in ignorance up until now. And God God is patient and he's good, but listen, it's time to turn from your sin to Jesus now. Turn from your religion. Turn from trying to be a good person to Jesus. It's time to find life in him. Stop toying around with these silly little idols that you have to carve with your hands and feed. Find life in the all-powerful God of this universe who created everything that is and who gave himself for you. Exclusive truth is not hateful if it's true. You guys follow me on that? Exclusive truth is not hateful if it's true. So here's the first point that I think we get from the Apostle Paul. Number one, Jesus is the God above all gods. He is the God that stands above, that towers above every other God. He is the only way. Every other God, religion, or worldview says, you've gotta work your way to God. You've gotta be good enough to get to God. You've gotta be religious enough to get to God. Jesus is the only one standing in the chaos of this world saying, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not religious enough. But I have done it for you. 
And so come with me, follow me, live in my kingdom, and I will give you an abundant life. Everything else will fail you. The God of success will fail you. The God of money and materialism will fail you. Even the God of religion will fail you. The God of sex, will they will all fail you, but I will never fail you. Jesus crushes the myth that all religions are basically the same. Listen to me. Jesus either is who he said he was or he was a lunatic, but we cannot ride the fence. Now here's the second myth that's very popular in our culture. You've heard this one a trillion times too. Myth number two. Christians are narrow-minded, intolerant bigots. You heard that one, right? Is it true? Is it true? Go back to Acts chapter four. So flip back a few pages. Acts chapter four. We heard from Paul. Now I want you to hear from Peter. Acts four. And at this point in the narrative, uh, Peter and the disciples have seen the resurrected Jesus. They've spent 40 days with him. And they start telling everybody they know, which is, by the way, is exactly what you would do if you saw a dead man come back to life. You would tell everybody that you knew. And thousands of people are believing and following Jesus. I mean, people are being healed in the book of Acts. I mean, it's just all this crazy, awesome stuff. It's nuts. Huge crowds are starting to form. And the leaders don't like it. The religious leaders don't like it. And so they bring Peter and John and the apostles uh, before the religious council. And they ask them this one question. In whose name are you doing all this stuff? Like, you're doing crazy stuff. You're preaching about this dead dude who's now alive, supposedly. You're healing people that have no business being healed. What are you, in whose name are you doing all this stuff? They're angry. They're ticked off. And Peter's response is beautiful, and it begins in verse 10. This is what Peter says. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by the way, whom God then raised from the dead, verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is, listen to this, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter says the same thing that Paul said who are both saying the same thing that Jesus said, which is, Jesus is the only way to God. And that's why Peter and all the disciples constantly found themselves in hot water when you read the New Testament. Now had they just said, you know what guys, relax. Jesus is our way. Jesus is our way, you guys do your way, we're not gonna encroach on that. Jesus is our way. Everybody would have been cool with that. But Peter didn't just say Jesus is our way and you guys can have your way. Peter says, listen guys, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, he is the only way. Repent and believe. Find life, find freedom in, here, in him. See, Rome was much like our culture is today, very kind of pluralistic. Uh, Rome was a mosaic of different cultures and religions. So Rome was pretty much cool with you believing whatever you wanted to believe as long as 
You didn't say that your way was the way. But Peter could not stop preaching Jesus. Let's pick it up in verse 18. So they, that's the religious council that are so ticked off, they call them, Peter and the disciples, and listen to this, charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Like, you guys can do whatever you want to do. Just don't mention that guy that supposedly dies and rose from the dead. Don't mention him at all or it's going to cost you. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, and I love this, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. <laughs> Peter goes, listen, you guys do what you got to do. If you got to beat us, beat us. If you got to throw us in prison, throw us in prison. Kill us if you must. But I'm just telling you, we cannot, we will not shut up about what we have seen and heard with our own eyes and ears. We saw a dead man come back to life and we're going with him. Even if it cost us everything, we will never shut up about Jesus. And understand this, Peter was not saying in this message that he was superior to anyone. There's not even a hint of arrogance in Peter's uh, sermon here. There's no arrogance. Peter is just saying, look, I saw what I saw. I can't unsee it. I'm just telling you, he was dead and then he was alive. And that is, listen, that is the central question that we all have to answer this morning, and it's this. Is Jesus who he claimed to be? Is he? Is Jesus who he claimed to be? Because if he is, pointing people to him is the most loving thing we could possibly do. It's not arrogant, not, not even a little bit. There was a movie that came out a few years ago. I didn't watch it because I was probably scared, but there was this movie that came out a few years ago called Contagion. I don't know if anybody saw that movie. It was Contagion. And the idea of this movie was there was this virus, kind of like the Black Plague, uh, that was mutating so fast that scientists couldn't keep up with it. And so basically the idea is the whole world is infected with this, uh, this killer virus. Like billions, literally billions of people are, are dying and everybody else is infected and they're just waiting. They're counting down the clock to their expiration date. And so just, just imagine, just pretend with me that that became a reality, okay? So we're sitting here and that's all the news is talking about. There's this killer bug. There's, man, we've tried every antibiotic that we have. Doctors and scientists have tried everything. They're at a loss. Billions of people are dying. Like half the world's already dead. And they're telling us within two weeks, everybody on the planet will be dead. And just suppose that you were walking through the woods one day and you came across this really crazy looking plant. It's like glowing or fluorescent or something like that. And you're like, well, I got nothing to lose. I'm gonna be dead in a couple of days anyway. So you grab that thing up and you eat it. And as soon as you eat it, your fever goes away. The rash goes off of your skin. You're like completely healed right away. Now, this is the only plant, the only thing that works. Let me ask you something. Would it be intolerant or would it be loving to tell everybody, hey, guys, this is the only thing that can cure you. You can keep trying all this other stuff, but you're going to die. <laughs> but if you take this one plant, you're going to be cured. Now, let me ask you, is that arrogant, is that intolerant, or is that love? We would all say that is love. Why? 
because it's truth. Look, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, I am convinced at the end of the day, for most people, this is not, the Jesus thing is not an intellectual hurdle. For some people it is, I, I realize that, and I, I wanna legitimize those questions, but I, I think at the end of the day, for most people who don't believe, it's not an intellectual hurdle. I think many people just kinda hide behind the whole all paths or just different paths to God thing because deep down at our core, we don't want to submit to one way. We don't want to. Our hearts are hearts of the rebel. We want to live our lives our way. It is not an intellectual hurdle for most people. For most people, it's a heart issue. And Jesus says, I am the way to God. He is either God or he is the most evil man who has walked the planet. But listen to me, don't patronize him by saying he's one way to God. He is not. He has not given us that option. You say, Chris, man, I don't, I don't need any of this, man. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I don't kick my dog and I recycle every day. And I'm a good person. I'm gonna be all right. I don't need any of your Jesus stuff. When John 3, there's a story of a righteous man named Nicodemus. And let me just tell you something. You got nothing on Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Bible teacher. He was a Bible scholar. He was genuinely seeking Jesus. Every time he appears in the gospel, three separate times, he's doing something noble. I don't care how good you are, you are not better than Nicodemus. You don't know as much scripture as Nicodemus did. You don't pray as much as Nicodemus did. You will never do as many good deeds as Nicodemus did. And yet Jesus looks at Nicodemus, this good man, and he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Listen, being a good person will not get you to God. You need a new heart, and nothing outside of Jesus can do that for you. There is no arrogance in authentic Christianity. The best, most moral person in this room and the most messed up, jacked up person in this room both need Jesus equally. Authentic Christianity is the least arrogant, most loving worldview on the planet. And for any sort of self-professing, self-righteous Christian, man, that, that just tells me that they do not understand the gospel like at all. Because essentially here, this is what the gospel message is. The gospel message is this. You guys were so messed up at the core level, at the heart level, that I had to come into this world, I had to suffer and die to rescue you. That's how jacked up you were. That's the core of the gospel. Look, there is no room for arrogance from those who follow Jesus, none. And the early church reflected this. The early church, listen, the early church was made up of rich people, poor people, all ethnicities, Powerful people, weak people, religious leaders, former prostitutes. It was the most diverse community the world had ever seen. Now even, even think about it today, right? Look at the religious landscape of our world today. Islam 
is almost entirely an ethnic religion. Judaism, almost entirely an ethnic religion. Hinduism, Buddhism are primarily Eastern geographical religions. But Christianity, on the other hand, listen to this, started, it was birthed in the Middle East. In the first two centuries, it spread all over Asia and Europe, finally to the Americas. And today, get this, the church is exploding in communist China, all over Africa, and in the Middle East among Muslims. One of the fastest growing underground churches in the world right now is in Iran. Christianity is the most diverse, inclusive faith this world has ever seen because, listen to this, Jesus invites everyone in. Religious people, irreligious people, the Pharisee, the prostitute, Jesus says, you're welcome here. You're welcome with me. You're welcome in my kingdom. I know you're broken. I know you're weighted down, you're burdened down, but I will give you rest. I will give you an abundant life. That leads right to the last truth this morning, and then we'll pray and we'll sing. Number two, the Jesus movement is the most inclusive community in the history of the world. Authentic Christians are not narrow-minded, intolerant bigots. We just have the best news in the world and we want to share it with people. Like a beggar telling the other beggars where we found the bread. No arrogance, all love. Christianity is the most inclusive, exclusive worldview in history. Jesus says, I am the only way to God, but everybody is invited in. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, anyone enters by me, he will be saved. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Later in Revelation, he says, I stand at the door and knock. That's what Jesus is doing this morning. He is standing at the door and he is knocking and listen, we have all closed the door between us and God by our sin. But God sent Jesus to kick down the door of separation between us and God. That door is open. And he is the only door that leads to God. You say, Chris, I don't like that. Well, I don't like what the scale says after I eat pizza and chocolate cake. But the truth remains. The door is open. Friend, don't just look at the door. Don't just stand there and admire the door. Don't stand there and just study the door. Don't stand there and just learn facts about the door. Enter the door. Walk through the door to Jesus. He is the door to life. I walked through that door as a sophomore in college and my life has never been the same. If you've never done that, Turn to Jesus today. He is the way, the truth, and the life that you've been seeking. Let's pray, then we'll sing. God in heaven, would you 
help us in a chaotic culture with tons of mixed messages, God? Would you, would you help us to see that the answer is not to pretend that everybody's right? The answer is to seek and embrace real truth. God, thank you for making a way for us to get to you. Thank you for Jesus, the door to life. Father, I pray for the person who's, who's here this morning who maybe has not ever surrendered their life to you. The person who may be religious, they may be irreligious, but man, they have never walked through the door to life that is Jesus. God, for those people in this room, would you help them? Would you, would you help them to give their lives to you? Maybe even today, maybe even right now, and just say something like, God, I believe. God, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the door to you. And so I turn from my sin, I turn from my religion, I turn from trying to be good enough. And I confess, God, I can't do it. I've tried, I can't do it, but I trust that Jesus did do it on my behalf, and so I'm going with him. I don't even know what that means fully. I don't know what that's gonna entail. I don't know what that's gonna cost me. All I know is that's what I need and so that's, that's the path that I'm gonna walk. And God, for those of us in the room who already follow Jesus, who already believe God, would you help us to, to live and engage the world around us in a winsome way with no arrogance, no arrogance, all humility and all love, as we point those around us to Jesus, to hope, to love, to forgiveness, to life. And we ask and we pray all of those things in the beautiful name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.